God bless everyone. Our reflection today is about our decisive times, focusing on the cross, the Eucharist, in relation to COVID-19. This is the second part in a series. Let us consecrate it to the Blessed Mother. Mother Mary, guide us to Jesus so that we be victorious with him as you are. Amen. The Messiah was expected to free us from the two things that we're most afraid of, and those are suffering and death. And yet, Jesus came and he suffered and died on the cross. Why? What is the cross? The cross is a Roman instrument of torture. It was intended to paralyze people. If you do not do what the Romans want you to do, you get crucified. And that's the very same tactic of Satan all through history. He uses it to make us afraid of responding to the will of God. And in that way, we are oppressed. And so Satan came to Jesus with the same tactic. Satan came with all his rage, threatening him with the cross to keep Jesus from doing the will of the Father. But Jesus overcame fear because of his love for the Father, to do the Father's will and love for us. And it's this act of love from his heart, this divine person, Jesus, loving to the end, this is what defeated Satan completely. The cross then became the trophy of Jesus, his victory. And it reminds us of two things. The seriousness of the battle that we are now in and the power of Jesus to overcome it through love. Jesus made it very clear. If any want to become my followers... Let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. So Christians, like Jesus, we love, we, we want to heal, we want to alleviate suffering. But, like Jesus, we embrace whatever suffering is necessary to accomplish the will of God in obedience, in love. And so, for us, the maxim is to love. If we're threatened not to love, if we're threatened not to do the will of God, we suffer through it, and we are victorious. So, united with Jesus, love casts out fear. Fear of suffering and even fear of death. That doesn't mean that we don't have fear. What it means is that as we conquer it, it no longer has authority over us. So to, to embrace the cross is the decisive test of discipleship of Christ. St. Paul says, The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, 
But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. My dear family, COVID-19 is a cross. It has killed many people and has caused untold suffering. It has brought division and ruin even within the families. How many times different members have different views on how to approach this cross and there is lack of charity, lack of respect for the views of others to the point that we want to segregate. We don't want anything to do with those who have a different view because we consider them dangerous when it's not really warranted. And so how do we overcome this cross? Jesus showed us the way. It's Gethsemane. That's where the disciples were called to stay with Jesus and pray. And this has to be our priority. Without this, we are lost. So you see, Jesus knew that Satan will come after us. So the night before he died, he gave himself as Eucharist so that we could stand strong at the cross and conquer as one with him. How? United with him in his Eucharistic love. And that is why participating in the Eucharist is essential for, for us who have come to know him. He guides us. He removes our fears. He gives us courage. No matter what evil we may have to face, what crust we must embrace. Without the Eucharist, our soul languishes just as our body does without food. The church actually teaches us that the Eucharist is a source and summit of the Christian life. So the, 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 the church tells us it is essential to go deep into prayer and listen to the Spirit and understand what we are facing. St. John Paul II told us, through prayer, especially to Jesus at communion, you will understand so many things about the world and its relationship to him. And you will be in a position to read accurately what is referred to as the sign of the times. So what we're living now, this crisis, is a sign of the times. We can only understand it accurately. How? By entering into the Eucharist and receiving the strength not to be pressured by the culture, but what we are constantly being told to increase in us, the fear. You see, the first thing that Satan wants is to deny us the Eucharist. Because he knows if we don't have Jesus, if we're not truly willing to sacrifice, to be with him, then we're weak. So the disciples fell asleep. They're good people. They love Jesus, but they did not understand the gravity of the moment 
nor the importance of staying awake with Jesus. So they were overcome by fear and they abandoned Jesus. Fear has an effect on our cognitive process. It dulls our clear reasoning. We are more prone to fall for what they tell us without realizing the lies. We get so worn out that we just believe anything they tell us that will resolve a problem immediately. Not only that, but fear darkens our spirit. We no longer have true spiritual discernment. We start doing things with the logic of the world. So, if fear dominates us, it makes us weak and incapable of discernment. As a result, we only want to avoid the cross at any price. So, the COVID-19 crisis has revealed how easily we ourselves fall into fear and abandon Jesus. The churches remained closed for months. And this is a great tragedy. And many still haven't come back. The church has been weakened. The enemy has acquired more power, has become more threatening because we don't understand that we need to be one with the Eucharist, one with Jesus. So one of the important things we need to do when we are in, in any day, but especially in a crisis, is to see how did the saints lived the same thing. And we have so many examples in the church from the very beginning and in every part of the world, every region of persecution where the Eucharist was banned, where going to the Eucharist was risking your life and even torture. Now we're being told that, you know, we have to close the churches out of um, an abundance of prudence. Prudence is a virtue, but an abundance of prudence can be an excuse not to do the will of God. We're just fearful of contagion, and that rules all our discernment. And we end up being dominated by the enemy, through the government, and through the media, who are spitting all kinds of lies. So let us attend to the wisdom of God that we find on the saints. So we go to the Eucharist, we pray, then we look at the life of the saints, and we see how they did it, and say, Lord, the church is presenting to us these saints as exemplars. For us to follow, to imitate. So from the beginning, in the catacombs, the saints risk their lives to gather together to celebrate the Eucharist. Saint Sixtus, a pope, he, he died during those persecutions. Saint Agatha, so many, so many that we cannot even count here. They were martyred. They suffered greatly, but they went to the Eucharist. But also 
in our recent history, even today, it continues to be the truth. So I'm going to give you some examples. Some were teenagers, like Blessed Juan Roig, who was just ordained recently. He's from Barcelona, Spain. In 1936, the communists had taken over and they had, they had closed the churches. People could not go to Mass. So Juan was able to get a ciborium and he had it in his house in secret. And he went and distributed the Holy Communion to those who ardently wanted to receive. And during one of those visits, he said to the family of the house that he knew that the red militiamen were trying to kill him. And he said, and I quote, I fear nothing. I take the master with me. And when those seeking his life finally knocked at his door, Juan rapidly consumed the host that he had with him to protect them from desecration. He was taken to the cemetery and he was shot in the firing squad, martyred. Blessed is he. Blessed Juan Roig, because he loved so much. Was he imprudent? Oh no, you know, this is too dangerous. He had his eyes in the Lord. He knew the importance of the Eucharist and that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Another example I give you is a married man, blessed Peter Dorot, from Papua New Guinea, another, the other side of the world. And uh, what happened to him is when the Japanese took over his island, they destroyed the church, they apprehended, arrested the priests, the religious, but he was able to rescue the Ciborium with the Eucharists. And like we saw with Blessed Juan Roig, Peter Torad also went underground, going to homes, gathering people, praying together, meditating the scriptures, and receiving the Eucharist. Was he stupid? Was he imprudent? I mean, he was a married man with children. It's too dangerous. You can get arrested. He knew all that. And he was arrested. He was tortured terribly. And he was martyred in 1945. Also, we have women. And women often give us example, don't they? Look at the cross. There was only one man on the side of Jesus. All the others were women. So Archbishop Fulton Sheen tells us the story of a martyr who inspired him in his Eucharistic devotion. And he witnesses that it's the Eucharistic devotion that made him able to be the preacher with the power that he had. Well, the story goes back to the Boxer Rebellion in China at the turn of the century. Soldiers broke into the Catholic Church and they they arrested the priest and they destroyed the church. They threw the ciborium from the tabernacle into the ground and the host 
were scattered, 32 of them. That night, one of the parishioners, a young Chinese girl, sneaked into the church and spent an hour in adoration before the scattered hosts, before consuming one of them. She did the same thing every day until the last host was consumed. At that moment, she was caught by the guards and she was shot and she died a martyr. The story was known because the priest was locked into an adjacent room and he could see through the window. This changed the life of Fulton Sheen. That girl never knew. We do what is right. Sometimes it doesn't seem to make any sense. But in the economy of God, the power of God is the cross. The wisdom of God is the cross. Our faith, our willingness to be with Jesus. My brothers and sisters, this is normal Christianity. This is the love of the saints for the Eucharist. And we are all called to be saints. The Lord has called us in love crucified, our community, to be his victims of love. But this is for every Christian. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, following St. Paul tells us that we should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And that is our acceptable sacrifice. And this will bring the renewal of our minds. This will be our strength. The Holy Spirit will come and, and strengthen us for the battle. And we will be full of joy, of happiness. Now, the Lord is giving us the opportunity. And this opportunity is called COVID-19. How are we doing so far? We hear the mantra, be safe. All the time we hear this. But I don't think that it's meant in the sense that Christians should understand it. Being safe is to be in God. Our first concern as Christians is the safety of our souls. This is a beautiful story. Uh, Father Henry Timothy Vacock, he volunteered as a priest to go to Afghanistan. He came back from the front when he was celebrating Mass and a bomb exploded and he died of the wounds sometime later. He didn't need to go to Afghanistan. And being in Afghanistan, he didn't have to be in the front lines. He could stay in the base and just celebrate Mass there. But he went to the fronts, to the dangerous places, to be with the soldiers, to give them the Eucharist there. And when he was warned of the dangers he was exposing himself to, this is his answer. And I pray that I have it engraved in my heart forever. He said, the safest place to be is in the center 
of God's will no matter what. I repeat, the safest place to be is at the center of God's will no matter what. Blessed Henry Timothy Vacock. What an example of a true Catholic. You see, martyrs are truly safe because they chose to lay down their lives for love. So the next time you hear or say, be safe, please think of this. Our focus should be in God's will, which often means sacrificial love, the cross. Yes, we try to keep everybody safe. We try to keep ourselves safe. But there are risks that we need to be willing to take. We have to be open to listen to the Lord and not so much to the media. I repeat, we are being fooled. And I will talk about that in another talk. There were also saints who live during pandemics, through plagues. There are many of them. How did they respond? Because there is a specific example for our times. And there's St. Rocco, there's St. Bernard of Siena, St. Bernardino. At the age of 17, he took charge of the hospital in Siena during the plague because there was nobody else available to do it. That's a saint. But I'm going to focus on Bishop St. Charles Borromeo of Milan. He lived during the plague of the 1570s. This plague killed 30% of the population in northern Italy, my friends. Nothing like COVID-19, which has a 99.74 survival rate. And that's among those who even get the virus. This plague, 30% were killed of the whole population. And the authorities feared so much the contagion that they ran away from Milan. St. Charles was outside of the city when the plague hit. He was in a funeral. He came in and he realized the havoc that was going on. He had to take responsibility for the whole city. And he did not neglect the proper remedies available, like he would take care that uh, people will not be exposed unnecessarily to, to the plague. But he said that the only cure was to pray more and to do penance more piously than before. He did not cancel the masses. In fact, he asked that more masses would be celebrated so that the faithful could be uh, more separated from each other during the celebration. Then he moved the masses outside, very wise, so that there will be less chance of people getting the virus. He organized Eucharistic processions through the streets. You know, Processions during the plagues is an old tradition. For example, in the year 590, Rome 
suffered a devastating plague, and Pope St. Gregory the Great continued to celebrate Mass and continued to lead processions through the streets praying to the Lord for the end of the, of the, of the plague. In one of those processions, the angels appeared singing Regina Shelley. The Blessed Mother was over them, seated on her throne. And there was St. Michael. He sheathed his uh, sword. At that moment, the plague ceased. You can say, oh, it's just tradition. Uh, it's very beautiful, very nice devotion. I believe it's real. I believe in the spiritual battle. And I believe that God is God. This is what we need, my friends, to believe. That doesn't mean that miraculously every time God is going to do what we expect. That would have no merit. The point is, be in the front line. Be in the front line that those, like those martyrs. Be in the front line like, like we saw Henry Timothy have. This is what we need. And so, what happened in Milan? Charles Borromeo... Uh, by the way, April 25 is the day that in Rome that miracle happened. And every year after that, April 25, the procession is celebrated. And if you ever go to Rome, you will see the Castello San Angelo. Well, it's called like, like that because over that fortress is where San Michael was seen. So let's go back to Charles Borromeo. He told the clergy, take the plague of the soul in consideration more than the contagion of the body, which for many reasons is less pernicious. He offered himself as an expiatory victim for the sins of his people. He went out every day to visit the sick and the dying. And he said to the people, I will be going out among you every day on account of the sick. And to those priests who were afraid to minister, he said, we have only one life and we should spend it for Jesus Christ and souls, not as we wish. Finally, the plague ceased. And it so happened that deaths in Milan were less, even though they had many dead, but it was less than in other cities proportionally in northern Italy. And Charles, St. Charles Borromeo commented, it was not by our prudence which was caught asleep, not by science, not by the doctors who could not discover the source of the contagion, much less cure it, not by the care of those in authority, who abandoned the city. No, my children, but only by the mercy of God. Now is our turn to believe, to trust, to not be led by the constant barrage of psychological warfare against us through fear. Take prudence, take care, but know what risk to take. Embrace the cross, 
witness to the people, go to the Eucharist. It's Jesus waiting for you. So I'll leave you with the words of St. John Paul II. Be not afraid. God loves you. The Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more information on the path to union with God, please visit the Love Crucified Community website at www.lovecrucified.com. God bless you.